Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Run to Win podcast. I'm John Lombardi uh, with Chris Kumis. Hello, everybody. So we're going to get right into this today. Uh, not going to uh, talk any small talk. It is September 5th, 2019. This is our third episode. Uh, as many of you might have heard, I guess Antonio Brown of the Raiders had a uh, verbal altercation with the general manager, Mike Mayock, and has been suspended. Uh, there are commentary out there on the internet, some of the, uh, the usual suspects talking about how he may never play for the, the Raiders again, which uh, I don't doubt. Um, they can probably go after him under the personal conduct policy and probably not have to pay him any of his guaranteed money, which I think is in the $30 million range. So this guy has been really kind of out of control all summer, Chris, you know, starting with the helmet uh, where he wanted to play with his old helmet in the NFL and the Players Association had rules uh, that you could only use certain helmets. He was going to sue. He was going to retire. He had a bunch of grievances all of which I think uh, were pretty much shut down. Um, most recent incident, I guess yesterday on his Instagram feed, he posted a letter from the Raiders informing them that he had been fined like 40-some thousand dollars for missing a couple practices. And he, he sort of took a shot at the team. And I guess that's what set off this altercation. Uh, Mayock wasn't too happy about that public airing of team laundry. Uh, what's that old uh, cliche that you know? You know what happens in Vegas stays in oh, Vegas. Absolutely. Same thing with locker rooms. You got problems, they stay in the locker room. Uh, Antonio Brown. I don't know. Was he the guy who uh, like live Facebook the locker room after a game with for the Steelers a year or two ago? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, so, anyways, he's been suspended. Looks like they might. Uh, be able to get him off the team and, and not have to pay him any of that guaranteed money. It's just amazing. Uh, and we're going to talk about this a little later about you know people earning money uh, in the NFL, millions and millions of dollars, and and, and really not earning them. Here's here's a guy who's really talented who just and, and someone's going to give him a chance. Someone's going to give him a chance. You know if he gets out from under the Raiders, someone's going to pick him up. But he just walked away because of his behavior from $30 million? I'm not sure if that's not, uh, he doesn't have some sort of God complex going on in order for him to think that he's that important for everybody to bend over backwards. The helmet thing, you know, we got it for a little while and then he, he took it too far. And I think the team realizes that this is a very bad start to a new, fr uh, new organization that uh, new to him. And it's just not the way you want to start out and have people go ahead and look at you. So it's just, uh, yes, he's extremely talented, but how much is anybody willing to take? And in this case, I think it's best that he move on to another team uh, and hopefully learn his lesson. I don't know if he thought all that because he's Antonio Brown, all these demands were going to be met. But that's uh, somebody should have advised him. I don't know who's around him not giving him better advice. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, is there anybody who he listens to? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, if, if I ever had a big decision, I'd call my father. Mm -hmm. I'd talk to my wife. Uh, you know, I've got some uh, mentors over the years. I really value their advice. Um, I mean, does this guy, I mean, 
What about his agent? Who's well, that? you know, I mean, his agent technically works for him. Right. You know, a lot of those guys are just yes men. Um, but you know, funny, funny element to the story is, uh, and I, I've never been able to really get this guy's name down, but it looks like when uh, Antonio Brown threatened to punch Mayock in the face, he was held back by at least one of his teammates, and uh, Vontez Burfecht appears to be one of the guys who intervened and, and kept this from escalating into something worse. Um, I mean, that guy got suspended from so many games when he played for the Bengals. It's kind of interesting to see him as the peacemaker. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know how you come back from that. You go after the general manager of a team. Uh, I'm sure the general manager wants to win. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought him there. But uh, I think they were getting a little tired of the antics uh, even a, a week or two ago when was it the general manager who gave a press, a mini, uh, very uh, small press conference saying, hey, either you're all in or you're all out. And yeah. and now not only has that not gotten any better, but now this. And I just don't see anything coming back to where they could get along with Harmony from here on out. Yeah, it, 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 it is kind of like the bridge has been burned. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the there's a lot of guys playing in the NFL. I mean, Michael Vick came back after what he did. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that have been overlooked because bottom line, it, it, it is all about winning. If someone can help you win, they're going to be on your team. What the difference here though is, is it worth it? A guy can help you win, yeah, but is it worth it to have it on, have him on your team? And in this case, it, it looks to me like it's not worth it to have this guy on the team. The Steelers obviously thought that way. Well, and and the reason I think that it's not worth it is in the locker room, at some point, you've got to be liked by your teammates. Uh, and I'm not saying that there hadn't been players before who hadn't gone through seasons with problems, inner, inner locker room problems, but this one is like before he's even done anything for the team, you know, uh, accomplished well, anything. But the thing is, though, is he really hasn't, has, has he really alienated his teammates? I don't know. I mean, maybe they're sick and tired of the divaness, uh, him being the center of attention, but he didn't go after a teammate. He went after the general manager. Uh, the Instagram post was directed towards the team, um, you uh, know. And, I, and quite I, frankly, you know, Mayock may be ticked off at him, and right now Gruden has no choice in the – in the matter, but who knows? Who knows? It's just, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I was up for $30,000, you know, guaranteed for the next couple of years, I'd do everything I could to get that. We're talking about just under 30 million. Now, again, he's probably just, is my thing. Well, if they get rid of me, someone else will pick me. I'll still make millions. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so. but at some point, Aren't you concerned about your reputation? Uh, I mean, it's a bad. No, I don't think he is. Uh, well, and that seems to be the problem. I think you're right. He's convinced in his head he's uh, he's right and just, and therefore. So, anyways, but I've been there. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. So, last uh, episode two, we talked about the AFC. We're going to talk about the NFC today. Now, there's a game this evening. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So, a lot of you may hear this. Um, a lot of our listeners, our fans, may hear this after the Packers Bears game. But we're going to. We're going to run through this. You know, one game, probably not going to decide whether we're right in our standings, but uh, I did hear a stat on one of the podcasts I listened to that um, there's a lot, and there are, you know, Packers-Bears is one of them. There's a lot of uh, conference games uh, this weekend. Okay. You know, where teams within the conference mm -hmm. are playing. I think the Cowboys-Giants are playing each other. 
All right. we'll, look at the, we'll look at the schedule here in a minute. But let's start in the, the East. So we got the Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, and Giants. So I think even though the Cowboys got Zeke Elliott in camp, gave him a big contract, um, I still think my money's on the Eagles to win the East. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, I think, a toss-up between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys to win that division. I don't expect anything changing in New York, to be honest with you. Uh, How long do you think it is before Eli's on the bench? Oh, wow. My honest opinion, I personally don't think a lot of the problems in that organization are Eli. I mean, has he played his best football the last few years? No. However, I just don't know that that he's the reason for the problems. Like I said, uh, so well, they won five games. Cut off your nose to spite your face. Well, Barkley, great running back. Granted, he he hasn't been in the league, but I mean, some of the things I saw him do, uh, I found amazing. But they won five games last year. You think they win more than that this year, the Giants? Probably not. No. Okay. So I, I, I've got the Eagles. Uh, you're taking the Cowboys. Where do you think the Redskins are going to fall in this? Third. Well, I, <laughs> but how do you think they're going to have – you know, they think they're going to be 5-11. and 11. You think they're going to go 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, you think they'll be competitive. They've got a really good defense, if, I, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah. they're going to struggle. And Case Keenum is, is the starter. they got the kid out of Ohio State. Uh, you know, the rookie who they drafted, I think, 10th. You know, you may see him this yeah, year. You might see see him. I, From I'm what not I hear, a he's big not fan of Case Keenum. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to work. So as of now, I would see them, if they're lucky, eight and eight, maybe seven and nine. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think they've got a good enough defense generous. to be competitive. Okay. It's whether or not they can score some points. Okay. So I I've got Eagles. You've got Cowboys. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. I want to I want to kind of go in order. We're gonna or not in order, out of order. So let's jump out to the West. So Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals. Um, you know, Rams made it to the Super Bowl. Didn't do too well. Um, what, scored three points? That was I very remember. disappointing for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah if he had <laughs> money on myself. Them. If he had money on them. I think the Seahawks, you know, they, they traded for Clowney. Uh, they got Ziggy Anza. They've got some guys who can rush the passer. Now, neither one of those guys has really been durable. But with a couple of them, maybe they can, you know, limit their snaps and they might get more out of them from a, you know, longevity throughout the season. Uh, situational rushing, things of that nature. Um, you know, they won 10 games last year. Rams won 13. How you seeing this? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. We, all, we both think the Cardinals with a, a rookie quarterback probably going to be last. They, you think they'll win more than three games? No. No. Now, um, what we saw of, uh, and I know it's the preseason. Where's he in here? Um, Kyler Murray was having a hard time getting across midfield, and I'm not, you know, poo-pooing on him. It's that it takes uh, time in the well, NFL to learn the system. Yeah. Well, there's that, but keep in mind that uh, everything in the preseason is vanilla. Defenses of course, are vanilla, of course. offenses are uh, vanilla. I'm going back on the fact that Arizona is, they were 
Yeah, not all there anyway. Not good. And but so now you throw if, in a rookie quarterback. You've got in the mix. this uh, Kingsbury is this you know, offensive genius at Texas Tech, even though I think he was a below 500 from a, a winning record. But he's supposed to be able – maybe they've got some newfangled offense to take advantage of Murray's talents that they're just not going to show us. Um, but, yeah, I think we're, we're both on board with them being last. 49ers, uh, I'm a little worried about the 49ers. Garoppolo has not looked good. Granted, again, preseason, everything's vanilla, but he just hasn't looked physically uh, there. You know, knee injuries – can he come back in a year? I don't know. He may just not be physically there. Some people never come back quite to their full potential ever again. You know, I'm not as worried about a quarterback from that perspective. Right. You know, running backs and, and, and guys who are more of that uh, quickness, agility, and, and, you know, burst, like running backs, wide receivers, DBs. Knee injuries really worry me. Quarterback, not as much. But I think it's kind of a, more of a confidence thing. Does he feel ready? Does his knee feel ready when he's going to set and drive a ball? Does he feel confident? Uh, so, you know, are they going to be third in that division? Uh, I think it's most prognosticators are picking the Rams. Um, right. I think the Seahawks are going to be there, though. I think they'll be there. Uh, I think the biggest thing with the Rams, they are, to me, the best football team. Uh, but... Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. But he just got $110 million guaranteed. Well, we're getting to that later. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure where, you know, you're playing on a good team around you. I don't know where he's proven that he deserves that contract, but that goes along with the, with the way it is in the NFL today. Um, very, And, of course, the, the shortest thing to remember is the Super Bowl performance or lack thereof with uh, Jared Goff. It was extremely disappointing. Um, it, it was really bad, actually. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, like you said, the Seahawks getting clowny, uh, that's a great boost for them. I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in that uh, in that division there. So they're definitely going to be give him a chance. I just think that, uh, fortunately for Jared Goff, he does play still on the best team. So I can see... Uh, the Seahawks may be having to settle for a wild card and the Rams taking that division. A couple things about the Rams. You know, Todd Gurley kind of was sort of out of sorts end of the year. He's apparently got a knee, arthritic knee issue. Um, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Cooper Cup coming back from an injury, uh, with a wide receiver. And then Aaron Donald, I think, is easily the best football player in the league. And it's been a while. I can't tell you when the last time that a defensive player was MVP. But if it's going to happen, it should happen to him. I mean, he is—he's just phenomenal. You know, there's there's no words that I can you know to tell you how good he is. Okay, so Eagles and Rams for me, Cowboys Rams for you so far. Okay, so let's go to the South. So Saints Falcons Panthers Buccaneers. Um. You know, a little heart here, a little head mm -hmm. here. I'm, I'm picking the Saints uh, for, uh, you know, my brother is a coach for the Saints. But that being said, I still feel that they're going to be there at the end. Of course, I agree. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Atlanta, if that Super Bowl loss, uh, the second half dismantling of, or collapse, I should say, collapse of Atlanta in the second half two seasons ago against New England if they've ever 
recovered psycho uh, psychologically because they've shown no signs of getting up off the mat. Uh, you've got Carolina and Cam Newton. A little disappointed the last uh, couple of seasons with him. I, you know. Well, you know, he's he was injured uh, with the shoulder. I don't think there's any way we can tell if he's going to be remotely close to what he was. Right. I, it would not surprise me if, if he played half a season. Right, and the rest of the team didn't do a whole lot better than Cam Newton the last couple of well, seasons. Well, they got so. McCaffrey, who some yeah. folks are thinking, and I, I'm not a fantasy guy. I hate fantasy football. I'm going to go on record right now. <laughs> You're never going to hear fantasy football advice. I don't talk. hate it. I just don't get into it. Yeah. Um, some people think McCaffrey could be a number one pick. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think that uh, uh, Cam Newton's going to be effective all year. No. And then Tampa Bay, I think they made a good hire in the head coach there, but I just don't have any faith in famous Jameis. No. Haven't since college. He's just inconsistent. He's an inconsistent quarterback. A lot and of it's, turnovers. It's, it's a lot uh, of a translation of his personality, I think. I just think, you know, it's great. He's He can be an emotional player. I just don't know if he's he can be even keeled when it matters. And he's... Uh, just makes too many the, mistakes. A lot of... Ex that's exactly what I was going to say. Now, a lot of Arians, Arians' reputation is working with quarterbacks and, and making them better. So maybe he can turn them around. I don't think he can do it this quickly. I just don't have any faith in the Buccaneers no. uh, being any good. Uh, I think this will be, uh, I won't say a competitive division, but I, you know, I think uh, playing Atlanta, Carolina, they, they all, uh, I think they'll, they'll be hard-fought games. Uh, I just think the Saints will end up winning more than the rest of them. Yeah, they're too good. They should have been in the Super Bowl last year, and I don't see them doing anything but uh, getting motivated to prove that. Okay, I'll take so, the Saints as well. Let's so see. We, are we going in? Uh, we want to say who's going to finish. I, I think Atlanta probably finds a way to finish second, just because they've yeah. got they've still got a lot of talented players. Well, Matt Matt Ryan's. I think uh, you know it, last last year was Saints, Falcons, Panthers, Buccaneers. The Falcons and Panthers were both seven and nine. I don't see any reason to think. Uh, uh, it won't be any different this yeah, year. Exactly. The, you know, the, I think the Falcons might win more than seven games, but uh, I think they won't come close to the Saints. Um, okay, so let's go to the the North. We got Bears, Packers, Vikings, Lions. I think we don't even have to talk about the Lions. Pretty confident they're coming in last. Yeah, you know, and we've talked about this off air uh, about uh, we've had conversations about elite quarterbacks, and even though I think some people consider Matthew Stafford an elite quarterback he's another one to me that uh, I don't know if he just doesn't have winning characteristics I know he's you know, struggled with some injuries but all of them do and uh, maybe you can blame that they just hadn't put uh, what he needs in place around him but he's another one and not that I don't think he's even keel I do but he also finds the wrong time to make a mistake uh, he's prone to turnovers he's not shown that you know, you know how you used to have those guys, Dan Marino, uh, John Elway, um, it, 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 Joe Montana. I mean, the list went on and on back in the '80s, where if a team was behind, you knew they were going to get brought back from behind. You almost you know knew what, it was going to happen. He, he doesn't have that. Trait. I disagree. I think that's his. I think he, 
I think he excels actually when they're down because he can sort of uh, well, they're usually, playground. Usually down, so he's got a lot of practice at it. Now I again, that. <laughs> there was a stretch there when Jim Caldwell was there where they were, you know, had a decent record and they won a lot of games uh, down the road. I just think that the the organization from top to bottom is a loser. Yeah. And I think that permeates that whole thing, and, and I think. And this is extreme to say this, but I think to, if you were going to buy the, the lines, I think you should fire every single person who works there, down <laughs> to the custodian. I feel the same way about, or I have in the past, about the Jets. Yeah, um, it just permeates. So lines in the cellar in the north. Um, I personally am, am not convinced that the Vikings are going to be on the top, can compete with the Bears. And to a degree, the Packers, mostly because, um, you know, again, not to bring up fantasy. If I had a fantasy team, I wouldn't mind having their quarterback. Uh, but I just don't think he's going to be – that he's a winner. He gets he has good stats, but I just don't think he's a winner. And um, they'll probably have a, a, a good defense and everything. But I think it comes down to the Bears and the Packers. Of course. Um, I think given uh, the circumstances, and we're going to talk about this in a minute when we talk about the matchup for Thursday Night Football between the Bears and the Packers, I think with a new coach in Green Bay, I think with uh, a veteran quarterback who, you know, old dog and new tricks kind of a thing, there might be a little conflict there. Maybe under the surface, it may not erupt and, and, and everything. That and The Packers might not be able to catch the Bears. So I'm picking the Bears in the NFC to come in first. Um, and again, we'll talk about, you know, they've got a, a good rookie running back, it looks like. Uh, they had a good defense last year. Granted, they lost their coordinator who went to Denver as a head coach, Fangio. Um, but just given everything, you know, in part of me has trouble with this because Mitch, Mitchell, don't call him Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky, I just am not sure I can put faith in him, but I think uh, that organization manages him well, tries to do with him what he's good at, runs the ball, ball control, plays good defense, plays good special teams. Again, their kicker has been, you know, whether they've solved that kicker issue, I don't know, we'll see. But what do you think? Packers, Bears, Vikings? Yeah. Uh, I think the Bears are the best team in that division. And I think Trubitsky, actually, uh, I, I got something here. It's one of these game facts for tonight. I'd like well, to let, let me, I'm going to write uh, this down. Are you picking the Bears to come in first? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think this Trubitsky is going ahead and improving. And uh, there's something here to go ahead and back that up. His completion percentage jumped from 59.4% as a rookie in 2017 to a franchise record 66.6 last season. He also became the first player in franchise history Where to tally 3,000 plus you yards. This is a fact for the game tonight uh, on a, I can tell you the uh, well, app, it's a sports app. 3,000 plus yards and 400 plus rushing yards in a season. So I think this guy's improving I think his confidence is growing and like I said I think he's playing for the best football team overall yeah okay so we both picked the Bears so we got Eagles for me Rams Saints Bears 
You're the same except you've got Cowboys. Right. Okay, so wild card. Who are we thinking? Who are you uh, thinking? Okay, let's see here. Seattle? I think I'm going to take mm. Seattle as one of my teams. You know what? Oh, gosh. I, I want to go with – I don't even know if we pick that. I'm going to go with Atlanta. I just think they still have too much talent there, and I think that as much as they've underachieved uh, in front of our eyes the last season, um, I think they, they pull it together enough to make it to the playoffs. My other team is going to be the Packers. Packers in Seattle, wild card, Eagles, Rams, Saints, Bears. Who's your second wild card? You got one? Cowboys? You took the Cowboys. I took the Eagles? Cowboys. You think the Eagles? I'll take the Eagles. That's a yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Eagles, okay. Okay, so me, Eagles, Rams, Saints, Bears win the divisions. Seattle and Packers, Green Bay and Seattle, wild cards. Yeah, You've got Cowboys, Rams. Seattle. Saints Bears with Atlanta and the Eagles as wild card. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's 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 get down into and you know unfortunately some people may not hear this until after this game, so we may look like idiots. Um, wow. But let's talk. Couple It'll be the first time. Couple things to think about this uh, about this game, Packers Bears. Um, I think, and I mentioned this just a minute ago. I think the Matt Lafleur, uh, Aaron Rodgers relationship. Uh, how they get along is going to be interesting to watch this year. I think Aaron Rodgers is the kind of quarterback, kind of person. He 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 knows he's smart, and I think uh, it is uh, incumbent on the head coach to show that he's as smart, if not smarter, than Rodgers. I think that's in necessary. And I don't know. I haven't seen out of Matt Lafleur. Not that I I know this for certain. I haven't seen anything out of Matt Lafleur that makes me think that. He's going to earn Rodgers' respect uh, when it comes to game planning, calling plays during the game, uh, you know, making adjustments at halftime. So that that's, that concerns me. Um, you know, Rodgers has never played for anybody but Mike McCarthy, and we saw how that kind of ended. How he more or less blew them off however you mm -hmm. want to however you want to term it and it'll be interesting i think to see i think if they have success it'll go well you know if they can uh, you know beat the bears move into uh you know have a winning record going into uh mid part of the season everything might be okay but if they start to struggle you know it could be it could get bad well going back to last season I saw at certain points in time Rogers' frustration uh, to the degree of which it almost looked, it just looked like he was done. I think uh, actually there were sports announcers who had gone ahead and pointed that out as well. He was, he was done with McCarthy, hence the firing. So I don't know, to be honest with you, because I, when I say that, I obviously have to wonder, hey, did he have something to do with the firing? Did they talk to him separately? And I don't, if so, I don't think so. I don't think they had to, though. Okay, right. The writing was – we could all see it from TV that they were not in harmony. Um, now, with with LaFleur, I don't know how much uh, they spoke to Rodgers about, hey, are you going to be happy with, with him? So I don't know if that goes on or not. Uh, still yet to be determined, and we're going to learn a lot. 
unfortunately, I think for Packers and Packers, uh, the Packers and Packers fans, I don't know that a lot has changed as far as the level of football team there are that, that they are. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's fantastic, finds ways to win, but how much magic can you expect? Well, th- that is one of the things you know we're going to get to, and I uh, we're going to talk about the Packers defense and has it has it improved. Uh, they signed, you know, they drafted Rashawn Gary. Uh, they signed Preston Smith, Darius Smith, um, to help, you know, up front. Uh, a lot of people think very well of the defensive coordinator there, Patton. So we'll see. We'll see if their defense can be better. If Rodgers and Lafleur can get along, then they might have a good season. Uh, real quick, I just want to run through this here. Here, so they open up, play the Bears in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Then they have three home games, Minnesota, Denver, Philadelphia. Then they're at Dallas. Uh, then Detroit and Oakland come to town. And then they play Kansas City and Arrowhead mm. and the Chargers. So bet- their first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games, you can really only say they've got two easy ones. I agree. Detroit, that's, no. That's what I counted. Um, you know, will will Denver be that good by week three? You know, I don't know. I think they'll play well. Fangio is obviously familiar with Rodgers. Now they'll have a different de- uh, different offensive scheme, but they'll have two games to look at. Um, is that enough? Uh, you know, granted, it's it's a home game. They play Philly at home, but they're going to Arrowhead. They're going out to play the Chargers. So, could they be? They could have a really bad record. They could be three and six. Season, could they yeah. be three and six? Absolutely. I think absolutely. They could, could they be, be three two and, and seven? I I would not bet against that possibility either. Okay. Then, then you've got to consider the other factor. Uh, let's say, you know, just like with any team, and I'm just throwing this. Rogers gets hurt. Yeah. Well, then then you're, well, you're really done. After uh, week nine, it gets easy. They play Carolina, San Francisco, Giants, Redskins. So they get four winnable games. Then they finish out uh, Bears uh, at Minnesota and Detroit at Detroit. So you know, could they be three and six? Then then they're seven and six, possible. But. Will 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 they be getting along if they're three? That's and six? the key. Is by the time they get to the games they can win, where they at with each other as a locker room? Okay, so uh, mentioned it a few times already. Vic Fangio, Bears defense coordinator, took the head job in Denver. Um, so they got a new coordinator. Uh, will their defense be as good as it was? You'd have to think not. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fangio's got a great reputation. And um, so will they be as good on defense? Most likely not. Uh, They're probably lucky in that they're playing the Packers first game of the year. Things tend to be, you know, a little sketchy first, especially with a new coach, new offense. You know, they might get lucky when it comes to that matchup. I guess we'll see in December when they play in Lambeau in in the weather. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, will their defense be as good as it was last year? Well, we're going to find out yeah, here shortly yeah. in a few hours. We're going to find um, out. The game, as far as the betting standpoint, the 
Game opened off short four. It's now down to three, which, you know, and this is where it gets tricky trying to pick the numbers. It's really, this game is split down the middle with the point spread and the money line, money line being win or lose. Uh, the over-under opened at 46 is now up to 46 and a half, and there's not a whole lot of people on the over either. It's actually slighted towards the under. So this is a really tough game to pick from a handicapping standpoint from what I do, which is trying to handicap the number. It doesn't, the movement doesn't make sense to me. I do know, of course, that the Bears uh, are the better team. They should be favored higher. And because it's of that, that weird movement, I'm going to try to <laughs> predict this movement that that doesn't make sense for a split game 50-50. I'm going to take Chicago minus, uh, it's now at three. I would take them, you know, I'd try to get them down to two and a half. That's always nice. Win by a field goal if you could. But, of course, you pay extra for that. So, I yeah, I, I say minus three, I'd take the, the Bears tonight. I'm not a gambler. But not like that. I, I would no. stay away from this game. That, <laughs> that Believe be me. me. You know, and, and maybe that's something we should point out. When I really want to, hey, when I really like a game, I'll pick the game. But don't go losing your money on it. Do what you think is right. Your guess is as good as mine on this one. Uh, so yeah, but that's okay. a little bit of one. One other thing I just want to mention: this kid's been getting a lot of play here in, in preseason. Now, he only played, I guess, in one game, only touched the ball six times. But apparently, in practice, when he did play, I didn't see the game. He looked really good. David Montgomery out of Iowa State, running back. A hmm. um, lot of people are on the bandwagon with him early on. So, be interesting to see him get some real action. See how many times he carries the ball. Now, you know. Uh, they've got Tariq Cohen, so he's not going to be their, you know, uh, I guess every every carry guy. But, you know, they, they did trade Jordan Howard. So they replaced uh, Howard with Montgomery, and we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play, see how he does uh, under the bright lights. So And then, and of course, you know, has Chicago fixed their kicker situation? They've been they struggling with that. can't do much worse. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Okay, so we're going to uh, – I think the Bears win just because it's a home game. I think uh, – Well, you got to understand, I, I think part of the money situation on this game is going back to there are some teams that people just can't bet against. There's some players people just can't bet against. Aaron Rodgers is one of that one of those players. And well, let me, let me a lot of people, when, they're, when Aaron Rodgers is getting points. You, you hear that phrase, you know, uh, a public team. You're right. That's exactly Cowboys, what the Packers are. Notre Dame, I guess. You know, New England. Yeah, New England. Uh, there's a lot of the non, whatever word you want to use, educated, the non-professional, the non-sophisticated. I think it's know, the, the they're called squares, John. Squares. Yes. Sharps and squares. Sharps and squares. But you know, and again, you know, it, it, all you Packer fans out there, don't hate on me uh, because I didn't pick the Packers. I'll tell you a quick story. When the Packers, uh, this is Brett Favre, played the Patriots uh, back in the Super Bowl in the 90s with Parcells and Belichick coaching the Patriots, I got interviewed by a local guy in Nashville, uh, what I thought about the game, and you know that I had worked for Coach Parcells when I was in high school, and Coach Belichick was the coordinator on that Giants team. My brother and I were ball boys for him, and then I worked for Coach Belichick in Cleveland, so I kind of came down, and, and I was wrong, ultimately. I thought that uh, 
You know, I'd seen the Giants beat Buffalo in that Super Bowl, and no one gave them any chance. But they had figured out a way to beat the Bills. So I was kind of like, well, I think, you know, my money's on Parcells and Belichick. And, I, you know, if you, if you take Parcells and Belichick in the Super Bowl, you're going to win more than you don't. Um, so anyways, that came out the day, that article came out the day of the Super Bowl, and the headline in the Nashville paper was Lombardi Betrayed by Grandson. Because I, <laughs> I thought the Patriots were going to win. So, um, again, Packer fans don't hate on me. Don't don't text me. Don't uh, email me. Uh, well, you know, you're giving your honest analysis. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to pick the Packers and, every day. We're going to come on here and just pick our favorite teams and pick who we think uh, we, you know, we want to support or who, or even who we want to win. Then that's two different stories. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to switch gears here real quick. we got the U.S. Open going on, right? Yes, we do. And, Chris, you're more of a tennis guy. My, one of my mm-hmm. da- A couple of my daughters play tennis, but uh, I just have never really followed it uh, that much. You know, I, I pay attention to it vaguely. I, you know, I read the paper. I see who wins and everything, but uh, I can't say I watch a lot of tennis matches. But um, you're more of a tennis guy. You like tennis better than me. But this, I heard that Dennis Miller... Uh, the comedian, I heard him talk about this. He's good friends with uh, Jimmy Connors. Oh. And he was talking about the U.S. Open on his podcast, which, uh, you know, if you like Dennis Miller, check out his podcast. It's pretty good. Uh, he mentioned this. He said, you know, uh, I guess, I forget which one it is. I know Federer and Nadal have been knocked out of the Open. I don't know if Djokovic has. Novik Djokovic. Djokovic. Um, but he said this, and it was, and I want to talk about it. So I, I got to give Dennis Miller credit. He said Federer has won 20 Grand Slams, most all time. You know who's number two? Nadal Mm -hmm. has 18. Novak Djokovic has 16. Fourth is Sampras with 14. Right. So you have the three highest, uh, you know, open uh, Masters, Grand Slam, whatever you want to call them are playing right now mm-hmm. and they've been playing against each other for it looks like Djokovic his first uh, major was in 08 so Federer was 03 Nadal 05 so the last 10 11 years these guys have been going against it and between them they have 20 18 and 16 so Dennis Miller's point was what if one or two of these three guys just by, you know, didn't play tennis. What if Federer had been kind of on the pedestal these last 10 years? How many majors would he have won? Yeah. So Nadal, 18, 16, what is that? That's 34 between the two of them? Right. Could Federer have won half those? Well, you know, Nadal won a lot of his on clay at the French Open. He's got 12 of his 18 at the French Open. So it's hard to say whether Federer, yes, of course, Federer would have won some of those, no doubt about it. He's only got How one. How many? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. Federer's only got one French Open. Yeah. And same with Djokovic. But, He's but only got one. Nadal is the reason. And if you've ever watched Nadal play, especially when he, I'm sorry, did you say on there when no, Sampras, he was? No, Sampras never <laughs> won a French Open. So, uh, you know, it's quite possible, you know, Federer and Djokovic have proven they can win on clay. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Maybe if there's no Nadal, Nadal, excuse me, Federer mm-hmm. wins three or four of those. At least, yes. Of those twelve, so. yeah. 
they they wound up in the final quite a bit against each other. So it's I think it's very fair to say, and I think you're being conservative there. Is um, it, it, and we we talked off air. Is there another period of time that's comparable to this? And you mentioned Borg, McEnroe, and Connors. We're all kind of playing each other. Now, and Borg, was Boris Becker in there a little bit too well, for some of it? Uh, maybe he was young. He was. He was uh, young. Becker. Well, I'm going to put this. Uh, I'll just. Yvonne Lendl might have yep. been at that same time. Borg was 74 to 81. And granted, he probably could have played tennis for. He just boom. He just decided to quit. Right. Uh, Connors was 74 to 83. Uh, McEnroe was 79 to 84. So they overlapped, give or take. Uh, so I'm going to just kind of go down this list. Lendl was 84 to 90. So he missed Borg, but mm -hmm. he played a little with Connors and a little with McEnroe. Um, Mats Vlander was 82. Oh, he won seven majors. Yeah. He left 82 out. to 88. Right? Yeah. That's still when I was a That's kid, so I, didn't, I forgot about him. Uh, Becker didn't win his first major till 85. So it was sort of either overlapping or spaced out enough to where they all got their fair share. So I think what you're saying is it makes what you're talking about with uh, Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic even that much more impressive for those three to have that many to be the three leaders and be playing for the majority of time all at the same time for the most part. It's phenomenal. Okay, so I'm going to go back to 74 looks like was the first year that Borg won a, uh, a major, right? He won, excuse me, I'm going to scroll up here. I can't tell which one it is. He won the French Open in 74, right? So these yeah, are I, the names. John Newcomb, Arthur Ashe, hmm. Guillermo Vilas, Roscoe Tanner, Borg, 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 Connors, 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 Connors. Mats Vlander shows up in 82. Johan Creek. And a fellow by the name of Brian Teacher. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that guy? I have not ever heard of Okay, so again, 74, Connors wins, Borg wins, Connors, Connors. And then again, Newcomb, Ash, Manuel Arantes. So a lot of names. You know, I read off a lot of names. Let's go up here to 04. I've got Gaston, Gladio, Federer, Federer. Nadal, Nadal, Federer, 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 Federer. I mean, there's no names. Juan Martin Del Porto. Right. I mean, Andy Murray won a couple Wimbledon. Oh, we there. yeah, we've left him out of the conversation. You know, there's there's but it's just across the board. It's those three guys. I think Andy Murray is uh, part of the answer to your trivia question. I mean, how many championships would Andy Murray have won if it weren't for those other three guys? Andy you Murray know? won. It looks like two Wimbledons and one. U.S. Open, so he won three. Yeah, but there's this guy Stan Warinka. Looks mm -hmm. like he won twice. He won uh, one in 2014, one in 2016. Three, I should say. He won three majors. So it, it's basically dominated by those guys since '05. Yeah, and extremely impressive. And, yeah. you know, you get these guys. I, Federer, to me, is probably the most amazing to watch. Uh, and, and that's the thing also. Plus plus these guys have played it. It's not like, it's oh, longevity. hey. Right. And it's very few times where 
one of the other guys like in this US Open actually what happened the other the other night uh, Federer was injured he came out and played the fifth he didn't retire he was actually a uh, little gambling note a 14 to 1 favorite uh, so uh, it's hard to bet a 14 to 1 favorite but there were probably some people who took the meat trough just for the heck of it and got lucky but so for him and uh, Nadal to both be out that doesn't happen too often in most of these tournaments so they're usually the cream is at the top in these final games and they're playing a lot of exciting uh, Djokovic and you know what what was the last tournament was it the, the it was was it Wimbledon where Djokovic yeah, and yeah, it's usually around and July. Federer met up in an amazing match where Federer had a couple to, to this point Federer had a couple of match points and Djokovic fought him off comes back and wins the wins the match so that's well, how if, close that, if we, that those numbers are if we were better at this we probably would have looked at how many times they played against each other in the final yeah we're not that good yet yeah we're not that good at research okay yeah. so we uh, got kids. Let, let's get off that <laughs> yeah let's get off that and let's let's get back on football and right. you had a, a bug kind of up your body well, it's you know a it's not a bug it's, it's just a matter of something that I think well let me let me, really let me set it up here yeah. um, you know uh, the fella I can't think of his name all of a sudden out in LA just got his big contract Jared Goff, Jared Goff. Uh, Zeke Elliott just signed his big contract looks like he's gonna show up and play uh, which puts the Cowboys in the position they got Amari Toomer hasn't signed an extension but they got Dak Prescott sitting there mm-hmm. uh, the Colts just signed Jacoby Brissett to a two-year 30 million 30 million yeah, and, and uh, five so, and twelve sample size. He's getting thirty million dollars. And you've for got two years. Tom Brady. You know, make about Grant, 20, Grant, twenty and change. Uh, yeah, well, he's always taken the he's hometown taken discount. He's right. Um, you know, there's been some guys who have done that. There's been some guys who haven't. I mean, granted, Brady, he makes a lot of endorsement money, money off off uh, the table. His wife makes. Oh, gosh. Seventy million, hundred million dollars a year as a model and uh, fashion. So yeah, money for him. Let me ask important. you a question, John. Who signs the prenup in that relationship? I'm not, not sure who's uh, who gets the uh, better of it if they get divorced, if they don't have a prenup. Well, you know, it, it, I'm sure probably when they got married, it probably looked like uh, she had the longer career. That's you know, true. Quarterbacks, you know, he's 42 now. You know, when they, let's say they got married when they were 30, you think oh, he's done in five years. She probably lasts a little longer. Her staying power, her earning power lasts longer than a, a quarterback, but who knows? And, you know, he's got – who knows what his plans are after he quits playing football. You know, there's TB12 and workouts and, and diet and all that stuff. He could be – Oh. He could be the next Oprah slash Dr. Phil for all we know. Whatever anyway. he wants to do. Yeah. But, no, um, my main point – on this whole subject is how quarterbacks and I think I don't know if we disagree or not on this and and I always go back to uh, the 80s back in the days where you had all these stud quarterbacks who went in what was that popular draft they did the 30 83 oh my gosh what a great 30 for 30 that is on uh, the draft that year and how everything fell into place but there were just so many great quarterbacks that came out of there and then, like I said, even back then, you knew who the backups were, and they would come in and they would give you quality snaps. 
I now, think you're I, inflating that because yeah, maybe I do have a better memory. I mean, than there what there it was, were a couple of them, and you mentioned yeah. you know Steve DeBerg. Um, well, you me- I've never mentioned Steve DeBerg, but well, yeah, Kansas Steve City DeBerg, yeah. back up. But I went, I managed uh, mentioned Frank Reich just Frank because Reich, of the fact that that was were, that was the greatest comeback of all time yeah. against the yeah, Houston Oilers. And, and again, I think there there might have been more of them, but it wasn't mm. like each team had a Frank Reich or a you know. A guy who could come in and, uh, you know. Well, and, and things were done differently. Them. You know, when players were drafted at that position back then, they usually came into a system where uh, the whole plan was, hey, how many, th- you know, we, we, the plan wasn't for him to start right away. Uh, he was going to come in and be mentored by whoever the quarterback at the time was and learn the system. And I don't know, it, it's just crazy to me now that guys are coming into this system uh, or they're playing earlier than they should, and they're getting money thrown at them. And we have several examples. And one of them, actually, that blew me away just a couple of years ago, was the year that uh, Peyton Manning won his last year in the Super Bowl, and he was injured for I'm not sure was it four to six games, something something like that, four to six yeah. games. And Brock Osweiler comes in. Now, I got to be honest with you, I remember a couple of those games Osweiler played. They were low-scoring games. Now everybody knows Denver's defense that year was a good part of the reason they won the Super Bowl. Well, and you couldn't say it was the only reason. <laughs> well, I, you know, I respect Peyton Manning, and I think Peyton was in a situation where, hey, he was at the finish line, and he knew it, and he was able to do what he needed to do. Ball control, use his brain, and and he was a, a, the best at that, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but Osweiler really didn't blow me away yet when Manning retired they threw and I unfortunately I don't have the details of the original contract but it says here that he's earned over 41 million dollars in his very short career and it didn't work out in Denver right away it was a bad situation and then he went to Houston well he was a free agent okay and um, you know Denver wanted to sign him from what I remember they didn't want to give him as much money going to Houston and they signed him to the contract and he, mm-hmm. I think he got benched his first game. What is going on with that? You know, it, 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 that blows me away. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. My grandfather said it. Football's the perfect game except for the quarterback. He's too important. Mm-hmm. And that's my main point is I think in this day and age. So people I, overpay. I Right. I think teams are desperate for quarterbacks. I don't think the level of skill at that position exists today like it did in the 80s even 90s uh, of course there's always exceptions to the rule I'm not saying there obviously we've got Tom Brady who's fantastic and I do I do want to say this because it is part of you know sometimes we measure a guy's success by hey he's in a losing he's on a losing team in a losing organization and he was never really given a chance where he could get protected like a Marcus Mariota you know, it's just one of those things where if he's in the right situation, you're giving him protection. If you are playing in this league and you get protection, you should be able to make those throws. And I think that's what Tom Brady does. I think he's smart. I think he's competitive. He's, you know, that's what makes him play at a high level, but he's also well protected. Um, and getting well, into, that's, you oh, know, people ahead. say that's, you know, the, 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 one of the fundamental reasons the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl is that they put they got pressure on Brady, right. and uh, no one 
No quarterback can be successful with someone in your face. If you can get pressure up the middle, you come around the end and they can step up, that's one thing. No quarterback likes pressure right up the middle, and the Giants were able to do that in those two Super Bowls. So, yeah, but, yeah, there, there's a lot of dead money out there with some guys mm. who, quite frankly, uh, you know, shouldn't be playing in, a, you know, a Division three school, probably. Right, and, you know, the Jared Goff situation. Let me let me just ask you. We do could you be think... sitting here three years from now and go, geez, why'd they do that? I don't know. I mean, well, he's people... one of those guys. He's another one who's in that situation. He's in a, on a great team. He's got running backs. Uh, Todd Gurley, I know he's he's hurt right now. Or uh, Well, we don't know what he is. Okay. But he has good protection, which that goes back to Gurley even. It's like, hey, it's, it's easy to say who's a good running back and who's not. If you're getting blocking, you're going to be a better running back. Uh, who's the Detroit? Uh, Billy Sa No. Um, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, excuse me. That was an exception to Billy the rule. Billy Sims was a Detroit running back. Okay, yeah, I was thinking Detroit running back, and it's been uh, – Barry Sanders was one of those guys who – he did it himself, but that's an exception to the rule. Yeah, well, there's You've no, got to have no. great offensive line. So, Jared Goff, yeah, I, I'm not saying he doesn't have tools. He should be able to make those throws if he's getting time and protection. Unfortunately, in the biggest game of the year, he was not good. So well, what do you do? You throw a hundred million dollar contract at him. I just think like it, it's just too much to gamble in such a small sample size, and that goes back to okay, maybe this is a little more reasonable. I guess I guess it's the going rate for a starting quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, two years, thirty million. Now I get the two years, thirty million is still pretty good payday for him, considering let's face it, I well, think he's the I think he's a backup quarterback. Well, we'll see. Again, We're that's why see. they play the game. So. And, you know, I'm not hating on them. Hey, prove me wrong. Go ahead and make a story of it. Yeah. Uh, that'd so, be great. But well, here we go. We're going we're gonna to move on. Last last, uh, last topic, right? Unless you got something else. Oh, I just uh, I, I wanted to give a shout-out to Justin Verlander. His sixth, oh, sure. He is the sixth to throw three no-hitters. And uh, he's 36 years old. He actually, in that game, reached his 250th strikeout of the season. And I gotta say, wow. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think he, before that game, and after that game, he's a Hall of Famer? Yes. Before? Yes. Okay. So obviously after. Yeah. But you didn't think that? Do you believe that three no hit? That's like cemented. Like he's a no-brainer Hall of Fame now, or do you think he was absolutely before? Uh, there aren't too many guys like him out there now who who have the consistency and he just uh he was talking about it i think at the all-star game about his arm angles and all these things that he can do he's constantly improving you know he's also it, a member of yeah. the hall of fame like he and brady are probably the number one uh guys to go into the hall of fame of marrying up yes yeah yeah Supermod I, I, both I just, married supermodels anyway <laughs> Anyways. Oh, okay. Absolutely. So let's talk a little college football. We're just going to kind of go through the 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 schedule this weekend. Did you uh, want to talk any about last weekend, real quick? Uh, a couple of upsets. Well, again, you know, we're we're headquartered here in Nashville. Uh, you know, oh, I yeah, I worked at Vanderbilt. <laughs> I attended school there. My wife graduated from Vanderbilt. So for me to see the University of Tennessee lose a game and lose a game in heartbreaking fashion. 
to a team that last year went two and nine. I don't think they had a football team in two thousand nine. Um, so for you know, obviously, I don't think anyone could argue that this is the worst loss in the University of Tennessee history. Some people would put Tennessee as a top ten all time program. Mm. Um, you look at number of victories, they're, they're there in the mix. They won, you know, they're way behind Michigan and Notre Dame, but they, they are in the top 10, 12, something like that. Um, and you probably could argue really without any, any kind of counter-argument that 10, 15 years ago they were. I mean, they won a national championship, I think, 20 years ago. Right. Um, they were always, you know, they in were the top always 10. They always had, you know, studs. Guys got drafted. Peyton Manning. And Peyton yeah. Manning actually was, uh, he, unfortunately for him, ran into the Florida Gators, which who knows what they yeah. would have been able to accomplish. Yeah, that's kind of a Nadal-Federer yeah, thing. Without exactly. Florida and uh, Steve Spurrier, what would have Tennessee accomplished? Um, you know, so losing to Georgia State is, is pretty embarrassing. If they were a 25, University of Tennessee, 25-point favorite at home. And I think what makes it worse is, is that it's game one? Yeah, you you all you without, you know they could be looking ahead. You know to this week, I don't know, um, but you've got all summer <laughs> to prepare for that game. You John, I don't think you could look that far ahead enough to lose by eight to a team well, you're favored twenty five by. They're I mean, playing be BYU though this weekend. Yeah, I'm I sure there was that. a mentality. Hey, we'll. We'll beat them. Let's of let's course, let's they thought they were going to win the game. I get let's that. Let's spend some time prepping for BYU because they're they're just quite frankly but, thought of as a better team. Let me go ahead and discuss this with you though. So I see that mindset up front. You enter the game. Okay, we're going to go through. The, we're going to show up and we're going to win the game. That's what they're thinking. But at what stage of the game do you not realize? Okay, it's time to wake up. We're in trouble. Well, you know, part of it is, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of excuses this week that they're decimated by, uh, you know, I, I, two guys have quit the team in the last week, you know, decided to transfer or something like that. They, they've had a lot of transfers. Butch Jones, who was the coach before, he had some really high recruiting classes. Uh, he wasn't able to develop that talent, and he had a lot of that talent leave. Uh, so I think to a degree their, their, their roster is not anywhere near where it is needs to be mm-hmm. and uh, when he, this guy got f- hired um, Jeremy Pruitt if I'm not mistaken um, people ask well what do you think of this guy and I said you know what I, he's gonna have to recruit and I'm not sure if he'll be a better recruiter but I think he's a better football coach he'll probably develop talent more and I don't think he'll make dumb mistakes like it seemed the previous two or three coaching staffs that Tennessee made and they would lose games I just thought it would take him a while to get the talent back up that being said UT should be able to beat Georgia State now again they're playing BYU this weekend BYU lost um, so we'll see how that goes now I, 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 I did Utah I believe yeah I just I looked this up uh, uh, Tennessee's 13th in overall wins but this includes Penn Harvard and Yale Hmm. are in there. Um, so I guess you could sort of throw them out. So they're 10th. Um, they're behind USC, Penn State, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, and Michigan. 
Now, does anybody think, did anybody consider Tennessee to be in that, you know, up there with Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think. This is all time. This isn't, you know. Right. I just think that they expected better than what they've had in the past several years. And, uh, I think that, like we, like we said, the only reason we're talking about it, you're a 25 point favorite at home. There is literally no excuse I can think of. Two players don't go ahead and impact a 25 point spread. There is there's a problem bigger than you know than we can sit and uncover talking about it. It's it's beyond you know. And yeah, of course we should give some credit to Georgia State. Uh, they were obviously up for the game. They obviously thought they could pull it off, or else they they wouldn't have played so hard. Yeah, and won that, the game. that was a classic. Uh, we underestimated them, and then Georgia State is like, no one believes in us. Let's exactly. Let, let's show. I mean, they had guys come out this week that they thought that the they're playing a team at their level, you know, football championship series uh, level that um, they think will give them a harder game than UT did. That's probably the most embarrassing part. Well, Tennessee is also a three-and-a-half-point favorite this week against BYU, which, uh, you know, I... Well, let's get into you, you don't go ahead and alter a whole point spread based on one big loss, and you also don't look at that big loss going into this new game because it's a completely different game, and Tennessee probably pissed it's, off and it, looking to prove that it well, was a fluke. So It's a home game. It's a home game. So it'll be interesting to see how many people show up for the game. Well, that's and the that other thing, you know. Five thousand. It's always historically been a really difficult place to play because of what'd you say? It holds a hundred and five thousand. Five or something. Like I that. mean, that's a tough environment, and but not lately. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's go through some of these games. All right. Uh, well, I got just, two that I well, that I think are the best of the weekend, ahead. just because of the uh, ranking matchups. Although point spread might indicate otherwise, because Clemson's playing at home again. They're number one in the country, obviously playing number twelve Texas A and M. That's in Death Valley. Yes, and that game opened. Let's see here. At nineteen is now down to seventeen. I don't like a pick in that game as far as teams. However, the over under opened at sixty and a half, which for those of you you should know, uh, over under is the total number of points in the game scored between both teams. It opened at 60 and a half and is now up to 64. A lot of smart money on the over. And uh, even though the defense is, well, both both teams played basically their equivalent of a preseason game last week. They kicked the crap out of who they played. Didn't give up many points, but they did score a lot. I think the scoring is gonna go ahead based on smart money. What I'm looking at, uh, that total is a little higher than it should be and it's moving big. And it looks like there's a lot of smart money on over. So I, I will go down on record to say over 64 in the Texas A&M-Clemson game. That line, like I said, is uh, now at 17, which is a huge number playing a number 12 team in the country. I mean, I can't remember the last time number 12 was getting 17, even though they were on the road. Yeah. Um, okay, what's the other one? Uh, the other game, oh, and that game is at 2.30 Saturday Central Time. And then that evening... We got a game I actually I do like a lot. Number six LSU is at number nine Texas. Uh, it opened LSU was favored four and a half, and they're now at six and a half. And I like LSU. I'm I, I like the movement there. Uh, when you look at the number, I just do this just for fun. So Texas is number nine, LSU is number six. That's not really a big difference at all in the standings yet. 
on the road, LSU is a four and a half point favorite. That's a big spread, and it's going up quickly. So I think that LSU is going to get the win by the bias. touchdown. Oh, well, you know, still, Texas, number nine in the country, you know, they're at home. That's because I mean, all the Southeast Conference teams are ranked higher than that. So hey, listen, I don't doubt that, that LSU is still favored based on what you're talking about because I learned my lesson in the Cincinnati-UCLA game. However, I still think LSU is is obviously going to be the superior team here. Um, I don't think they're going to find a way to win by a touchdown or more on the road. Okay. Well, here's here's a game. Stanford's playing USC. Stanford's ranked 23rd. USC's not ranked. I believe their quarterback got hurt and is either out for the year or is, is hurt. So I, I got to believe Stanford's going to – it is a home game for USC, but you got to believe Stanford's probably going to clean up in that one. I'm sorry, is that who is? Stanford, yeah. USC. I agree. But although, John, the game is opening as USC as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, there's been drastic movement, and there might be some injuries as to why when you get this kind of movement, but the line is now down to one-and-a-half, which is significant. Yeah. But uh, the, the money's on, a lot of money on Stanford, so I guess they agree with us. Not going on record there. Yeah, let's see. Nebraska is playing Colorado. Colorado's unranked. Nebraska is ranked 25th. You mentioned Texas A&M Clemson. Here's a game that I think will be interesting and, again, has a little hometown flavor. Vanderbilt-Purdue at Purdue. Um, you know, Vanderbilt last year went up and played Notre Dame and played them tough. Uh, they got, you know, the pants beat off them by Georgia last week. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, and Syracuse, well, that Maryland. was Georgia. Georgia was number three at the time, yeah. or they still are. Uh, Syracuse, Maryland at Maryland. So, you know, there's not a whole lot. You're, you're, the Cincinnati guys are playing Ohio State in Ohio State in Columbus. So it'll it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of good matchups other than that, uh, the Texas, LSU, and the yeah, A&M, Clemson. Top, those are the, the those top are ranked the, teams that are playing each other. Yeah, all the other teams. You know, Oregon's playing Nevada. Michigan State's playing Western Michigan. These are the ranked teams. Washington's playing Cal. So we'll see how that goes. I guess Aaron Rodgers gave a bunch of money to the University of Cal football mm -hmm. team. They've named the locker room after him or something like that. So uh, Auburn playing Tulane. That's an old Southeast Conference matchup from way back when Tulane was in the Southeast Conference. Oh, I can't imagine what that spread is. Yeah. <clears throat> Auburn. Well, I could I could look it up there. Let's see. Murray Auburn State is. getting a payday at Georgia. I'm surprised it's that low. 17 yeah. and a half. Auburn is favored over Tulane. Yeah. So, I, you know, there's not. Uh, Cal was a big underdog in that game, too. You uh, know, my grandfather's Fordham Rams are playing at Ball State. That'll be fun to see how that goes. Western West Virginia, Missouri. That might be a good game. Neither team is ranked, but that might be a good game. Uh, Army travels to the big house to play Michigan. I, I, I would I wouldn't mind watching that game. Ooh, well, Michigan's quite quite a big favorite though. I well as I they know should you be like watching it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I always like when Army or Navy goes and plays a team that they're not used to playing. Right. You know, Notre Dame plays Navy every year, plays Army a lot, plays Air Force almost every year. They're used to. You know, they got tape. The players who've been in the system are used to playing that. But you get a team like Michigan, probably hasn't played against an offense like Army. 
and it's all about responsibilities. You know, the defensive end has the quarterback. The linebacker has the dive slides to, you know, and then the corner and the safety's got to come up on the pitch man. And, and, and it goes against instinct to a degree, mm-hmm. which is, you know, chase the ball. Right. Um, I remember when I was younger in high school, we'd play an option team. I, I was an outside linebacker. My coach said, I don't care what he does with it. You go and tackle the quarterback. Right. No matter what. Don't, you know, run in there and hesitate and think he's going to pitch it and then go chase the the running back on the pitch. He goes, it's not your responsibility. It's someone else's. Mm-hmm. You go and you hit the quarterback. And this, you know, you probably couldn't do that anymore because I would hit him even if he pitched it. Oh, yeah, then you'd be in trouble. And then you, you would have a <laughs> you would have a, a double thing because, one, I would go tackle him no matter what so he couldn't turn up field. And, two, since I'd hit him, next time he'd go to run the option, he'd be, I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get hit. So, I, you know, that, that you know I could see that game maybe being close for a little while. Yeah, it's a 22-and-a-half point spread. I don't know for how long, but, uh, it, yeah, it's still – Army, Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's athletes, you know, and Michigan are probably going to overwhelm Army when it comes down to it. But it'll be interesting to see how they play. Now, again, they've got good coaches at, in Michigan. I'm sure they'll they'll adjust. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the players react to something they're not familiar with. And one last thing I was going to ask you about. Um, I don't know if you got to watch the game the other night, uh, Notre Dame at Louisville. I did not watch any of that game. Okay. Well, I, I could tell you a little how it went. Louisville fumbled the ball like five times. Uh, I'm not saying that Notre Dame didn't have anything to do with that, but I don't know, and this was a topic on TV, and I shared the same opinion. I don't know that Notre Dame can get back to a BCS bowl game. What do you think? Well, of course they're going to get back if they're there at the end with no losses or one loss. I guess the real question is do they deserve it? Okay. Have they proven that they can compete um, with the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, and to a degree LSU and, and some of those other schools, they haven't. Every right. time they get there, they get they just don't have the athletes, the speed. Um, but you know, if they go through their the season and they're eleven and zero, and they're one of the four teams that are eleven and zero, or you know. Let's say Alabama and Georgia, one of them's ten and one because they lost to the you know, they're gonna get invited because of the, mm-hmm. you know, the myth, the mystique, hmm. the following of Notre right. Dame. Right. If it's gonna be but what let, the fans want to. But say. I understand if you're looking at Alabama's in, Clemson's in, let's say just for argument's sake, Texas is in, right? Right. And then it comes down to it. 10 and 1 Georgia team that just lost a close game to Alabama in the Southeast Conference Championship or an we, 11 and 0 Alabama or Notre Dame who that's going Georgia to. probably deserves to be in there more than Notre Dame does but will they get in? We will see. Eh, you know, I don't know. I just didn't think uh Notre Dame you know, they didn't cover the spread which was 19 and a half. They did win by 18. Had a chance late in the game to cover the spread, but well, of course you know, they Louisville ran out the was clock. Awful last year. They they, they were coach. 2 and 2 and 9 uh and they, they didn't and coach. they looked like they should have been 2 and 9, although they made some big plays against Notre Dame, which I think, you know, that's what made me think about this was I just don't think the defense is if a 2 and 9 team is going through you and gashing you like some of the plays that Louisville was able to to run 
And like I said, if Louisville don't, doesn't turn the ball over five times, now you're, you've got a football game. Now that's a big if, I understand that. They can protect the ball. Sometimes they didn't get touched at all. It was just a sloppy well, game on Well, Will, no, they play New Mexico uh, on the 14th. It's their off this weekend. Um, and it looks like Bob Davey, who used to be the Notre Dame coach, he's had a health issue. He's not going to. He already knows he's not going to that game. They're going to have an interim type coach against New Mexico. Uh, and then the 21st, they travel to between the hedges and play Georgia. So, uh, you know, that'll reveal a lot of things. 28th, Notre Dame uh, host Virginia. Then they've got Bowling Green. Then they've got USC on the 12th of October. Michigan comes in the 26th, Virginia Tech the 2nd, so the Michigan game's at Michigan. Notre Dame goes to Duke, then they host Navy, then they host Boston College, then they go to Stanford. So the odds of them beating Georgia, Michigan, you know, Stanford and USC, and they they got a good schedule. So if they go eleven and zero, they you know they probably deserve it. Oh yeah, but if they go are they going to be as I, good as a, a, a one loss Georgia, one loss Alabama, one loss? Um, the team that I'm looking forward to seeing how they do now is Ohio State. New coach, they got this transfer in, uh, what from Georgia, playing quarterback. He <laughs> he drove out the other kid. He went to Miami and he didn't even start at Miami. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that goes. But anyways, I guess that's uh, we're going to call it quits. Yeah, let's get this on the air um, before the Packers kick off yeah. tonight. Uh, again, this is the Run to Win podcast, episode three. It is September 5th, produced by Caitlin Lombardi. And we'll see you next time. All right. Okay, bye. <laughs>